0: We are starting a new series focusing on Jesus' final words. And if you only knew that you had a week to live and you had a lot to do, what would be the last words that you would say? And who would you say them to? You ever thought about that? What would be your final words that you would say to those that you love What would be the final words that you would say to those that you have been trying to get through to and they're not really paying attention? Most of us don't don't have that opportunity. Death comes to many of us by surprise. That's not the case for Jesus. Jesus, in fact, knows that his time is short. So there's an added layer, not only of just the importance of what he is doing, but his awareness of that importance. And I think it's good for us to at least remember this, that when Jesus dies, which we will celebrate, just get your head around that for a moment, we will be celebrating the death of our God and King. Does that not sound a little bit odd? that we would celebrate that. But that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that we would do that. And as we celebrate that, the final words of Jesus, in in one Greek word, it's tetelestai, which means it is finished. I'm done. I have completed all that God has sent me to do. And in that last week, we can literally see him tying up some loose ends, very intentionally. And we're using these next few weeks to prepare our hearts to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And and today we're going to talk about Jesus' final words to the crowds. You know how hard it is to talk to a crowd? You ever thought about that? You know how hard it is? You want to know why? Because um, this brother right here brings everything that he has been going through from his entire life to just the last few days into this moment. And um, it's now somebody's responsibility to, to now speak to this brother like words of truth. And at the same time to this sister different experiences, different situations. And, and the one speaking to the crowd has both to deal with. The needs are different. The circumstances are different. The, the receptivity is different. Would you, I, I usually don't do this, but will you, just in case it's your first time here going, okay, this is weird, okay? Let me just tell you, Everyone right now is thinking, this is weird. But I I want you to do something for a moment to just get a sense. Would you please, if you can, would you stand up? Stand up just for a moment, I promise. Okay, now try to imagine this conversation. See, because when Jesus is speaking in the last week, not everybody is like seated at attention. I'm not going to ask you to do this, but imagine if I said, and now go do whatever you want. Sometimes when we think about Jesus speaking, everyone is sitting and listening. No, probably on the temple steps, probably on the temple mount. There's lots that is going on, and Jesus is even trying to get their attention. Some of you can't even see me. You can only hear my voice. Can you imagine the confusion in the crowd as Jesus is trying to speak his last words, some final truth to everybody? You can be seated. But I just want us to get like a sense of just the importance of this moment and the complexity of this moment. And yet in the middle of all of that, Jesus still speaks. Our text for today is going to be in Luke chapter 19. Because we're in the book of Acts, we thought it just made sense. And Luke wrote Acts. We thought it made the most sense for us to find these final words of Jesus to the crowds, to the disciples from the cross, and then after his resurrection, from Luke's gospel. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 28. And we're going to see three moments in which Jesus speaks to crowds with the complexity of the individual needs and concerns, and biases and prejudices and frustrations, and Jesus speaks to them. And Jesus speaks to them in different locations. We hope that you're following along with the videos that we are producing. Um, because it it really helps me to just get a sense that when I think about Jesus standing on the temple steps, that I have a framework for that. Jesus standing on the temple mount, I have a framework for that. Jesus walking down through the Kidron Valley as he's speaking, that I have a framework for that. That going in through the gate, and we're going to see today the triumphal entry, I, I I have a spatial recognition for that. Because Jesus is accomplishing all that God intended for him and and you and I are now going to sit in, in and there's nothing wrong with this, I don't think, but in the comfort of this place and in the comfort of this moment and we're going to hear and I just pray that we would have ears to hear and a mind to know and a heart and a life to respond. But before we deal with Luke 19, I just want to remind you of a a very important kind of a foundational way to to look at how Jesus would speak to people. Um, In light of the complexity of the crowd, in light of the individuality of the crowd, I I want to draw you back um, to a a parable that Jesus says to the the people. Um, Luke's all the Gospels recorded except for John. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this parable. It's the parable of the sower. Because in the crowd, there is that kind of, I guess, individuality. And um, Jesus points out that in that big crowd that there is, that there, is, um, there are different kinds of people. There's not a different kind of seed. No, the, the word of God is what the seed is compared to. And the word of God is the same. But the soils are different. The people themselves are different. And Jesus says this, speaking of the seeds that fall, he says, there, there's, there are seeds that fall to the ones along the path. And they are those that heard them and then... Like it's taken away from them. Like the the, the soil is hard. And it's because it's a path. it's, It's not able to respond. Jesus then goes on and says, And to the ones, the seeds that fell on the rocks, they are those who when they hear the word, they get excited. But because there is no root, they're starved out. And Jesus says, and as for those what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, and then he uses that word again, but the worries of this life, and Luke records the deceitfulness of wealth, chokes it out. So that every time, not just me, But any time the word of God goes out, because I'm not the only one saying it, I hope that you, during this entire Easter season, are looking for opportunities to share, to witness to who Jesus Christ is, what he has done, and what he has done in you. That as you look out at the world where God has placed you, that you look with eyes And and a heart and a mind that can see opportunities to share the same word that Jesus describes, the same word that Jesus speaks. That you're not only listening this morning so that you might have a better understanding of who Jesus Christ is and how you can be obedient to him. But you're actually listening this morning so that you might be more encouraged, that you would find the courage to share that good news this Easter season. And when you do that to just recognize that the same seed falls and there are those that never hear it and there are those that hear it briefly but there's really no root and then there are those that respond to it and and then it just literally gets choked out by this world and yet the sower continues to sow seed. I love that reminder. Someone knew that this would be the response. Jesus knows. Jesus is not going into his final week all depressed. Wow, three years and this is all I have? Twelve people? Seriously? I, I just, I'm looking back on my life and I'm wondering why I came. No, Jesus knew why he came. And he didn't say on the cross, it didn't work. He didn't say I tried, but I've done it. Jesus' responsibility is to sow the seed. Jesus' responsibility is to be faithful and obedient to everything the Father has called him to do. To allow by the power of the Spirit to the seeds to do the work. And therefore, beginning in Luke 19, beginning in verse 28, we're going to begin by looking at three different narratives, three different stories, where Jesus speaks to the crowds... Some very powerful words of truth that hopefully will um, will shape our thinking this morning and then shape our behavior for the rest of this week and the rest of this Easter time. The first thing Jesus says to those and it's in that triumphal entry moment. Jesus speaks direct words to the crowds. He's talking to those people who know how to say the right words but they don't have complete devotion. Can you see that in the sowers? They know how to receive it, but they don't know how to keep it. They know how to, to, to deal with certain situations in life, and it can even look like they're responding in faith, but it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time before, in the end, it's their faith is shown as, as not having any kind of substance. Jesus warns against making quick quick, um, assertions about who he is and your love and your devotion to him when in the end, you're not in it for the long haul. Morgan said it. The decision, I want to ask you this question. Do you believe this? Here's what she said. The decision that you have made is the most important decision of your life. Really? Like, bigger than like where I go to college? Like, okay, wait a second. Bigger than who I marry? Bigger than like what I choose to do with the rest of my life? Yes. Because her statement of faith this morning will guide and direct every other life decision. Do you see the difference? My decision to follow Jesus shapes my marriage. My my decision to follow Jesus shapes how I spend the rest of my life. My, My decision to follow Jesus shapes everything. And it's easy to say something and to not mean it. It's easy to say something it's easy to say, I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. It's easy. I do. That's easy. Do you promise, we're, we're getting, having baby dedication here in a little while, do you promise to, to raise up your child in um, obedience and an understanding of who Jesus Christ is? We do. That's the easy part. Jesus looks at the crowds, and it is easy for them to see him riding in on a donkey. And they know how to respond in situations like this. Israel's done it before. They throw down their coats, and they lay down their palm branches. Here's the king, and in that moment, in the crowd, it's really easy to get excited. Is it not? And here's what happens. Look at verse 36. And as he rode along, they spread out their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on, down, on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples, by the way, it's not that far geographically, they began to rejoice and praise God. The temple is literally in eyesight, in earshot. And they rejoice and they praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. And they said, blessed is the king. Who comes in the name of the Lord? Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That's easy to say now. And Jesus has some some some, some words of warning here. As the story continues, the Pharisees say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, like. Luke focuses on the on on the disciples and what they say, but Matthew and Mark focus on the crowds. The crowds are caught up in this. And and the and the Pharisees say to Jesus, make your disciples stop saying this. And Jesus makes the bold statement. Most of us know this. If we grew up in church, we know this. If they stop, what will happen? The rocks are gonna cry out. You can't stop it. The difference is the rocks. Should they ever speak out? It's actually borrowing that from Habakkuk 2. Where the prophet says, these stones will cry out against the sins of this city. That's what he's drawing reference to. The stones will cry out. It's it's interesting how creation does a better job maintaining and sticking to the truth about their creator than we do. this Easter season can we just commit to pay closer attention to the words that we say about Jesus and ask ourselves some real introspective questions about our commitment and our devotion to Jesus can can you and I be aware as we look around to people that we love and care for who, and one of the reasons why we don't talk to them about faith is because I'm pretty sure they've made a decision at some point in time. But Jesus, he, he comes along and he, he does this repeatedly and then he focuses on this in the last week. I just want you to be very, very careful about what you say. Knowing that it's easy to cry, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord as long as Jesus is still in your life on your terms. And if it's still on your terms, you have no idea how quickly it is. It can happen within seven days. Blessed is he, can easily turn into crucify him. Second thing Jesus says, and, and, and this is kind of a real focus that Luke actually has, is that in the next story, Jesus speaks to those who miss him completely. Absolutely miss him completely. And, 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 and like I've said many, many, many times, I never assume that everyone here on Sunday is a follower of Jesus Christ. Just by your presence here, it's just not. And therefore, we make the most of the opportunities to speak the word of God clearly, passionately. That we make sure that we understand what's at stake because Jesus speaks some very serious truth to those who miss him completely. There were those in those last weeks that that literally weren't even aware of what was going on. They, they had kind of an idea maybe who Jesus was, but they missed him completely. They misunderstood him. Jesus' enemies, Jesus' opponents, those who were just too busy. And, 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 and by the way, I think many of us live under this assumption that as long as our intentions are good, as long as we for the most part try, as long as we kind of you know, keep God In in this relative distance, then, then I think we're good. And Jesus points out, no. There are those all around me. There are those who are in close to me. Jesus warns, who, who, who absolutely miss me completely. Jesus doesn't say, well, you'll get another shot. See, this this is my concern. That which is so clear to me, that which has been made so real to me, that's not true for everybody else in the community where I live, hopefully in the place where I work, but not where I do much of my business, like they've never even responded to him. So what does Jesus say to them? Because I need to know that so that I can understand what is even at stake at this time of year. Because as you know, it's Easter. There's a heightened awareness. Tell me that it means more than this. Nothing wrong with this. But tell me it means more than this. It does. There is something at stake and Jesus says to those who are in danger of missing him completely, who, who never even for a moment, they're always seeking, never responding. We talked about that least last week. They're always hearing, but they're never listening. They're in church on a regular basis, but they've never allowed the word of God or the spirit of God to penetrate deep into their heart and into their mind. Just know, I've been around long enough now that that sometimes we're married to them. They grew up in our house. They raised me. Are you ready for this? They took me to church. And they miss Jesus completely. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I just want to say thanks for trying. Jesus says in verse 41, look at this. Hear me. It's so good for you to see the heart of our Savior. Who in his last week of his life, as he prepares to die, he, he does so willingly and he does so with this great sense of purpose and he does so very compassionately for those who are going to oppose him. That's the heart of Jesus and that's the heart of God. Verse 41, and when he drew near and he saw the city that he would die in, he wept over it saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. What he's saying is, if you only knew like what God's ultimate plan for you was, if you only knew that when I came, I came with this deep desire to reconcile you to God, if you only knew the, the love that God has for you and the plan that God has for you and the peace that God has for you, but now they are hidden from your eyes, For the days will come upon you because Jesus doesn't only see the time when he marches into the city, but he also, being God, knows what's going to happen roughly 40 years later when Titus Vespasian, the Roman commander, is going to, with the Roman army, surround the city. And By the time it's done, 600,000 will have lost their lives. Jesus knows this. And he doesn't have a, ha-ha, finally you're getting yours. He is weeping. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will be set up. will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone. I've seen the stones. They're still on the ground, Scattered. leave not one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus gives a reason for it. Like, why did that happen? Because God sent his son and they chose to reject him. And that is why This Easter season, it is so important for us to make sure that those around us or that those that God has placed in our path, that not only do we have an opportunity to celebrate what God has done, that not only do we have an opportunity to eat and to drink, to have fellowship with one another, but those around us who aren't aware, who've never responded to who Jesus Christ is, That we share with them the reality of God's love for them. His care for them and the fact that God knows where the future is going. And he weeps over them. I just can't help but think of this passage and wonder like where is my heart missing a step? Why are my eyes not filled with tears? The beauty of Easter is that God loves and cares for us, not only enough to die for us, but before that, to speak the truth to us about what's at stake. And that's what Jesus does here. Speaking to the crowds. you only knew. you only knew what's at stake. Can I just remind you, brothers and sisters? Like for those of you that have received... Faith, for those of you that have received the gift of the Spirit, for those of you that have peace with God and are comforted, what a great joy. Now can you look on the city that God has placed before us, that God has planted us in, the people that he has layered up around us, and how can we not take the time, make the move, invest in the lives of those around us so they can have an opportunity to hear and to respond to who Jesus Christ is. Lastly, Jesus actually speaks a word. I I really think this is probably like the largest group of people, especially on, on, on a Sunday morning, maybe even a little bit still in the Midwest, But Jesus is going to speak to those who believe that they are safe, and they're not. This one always makes people uncomfortable. And and let me me restate something that I like to state whenever I deal with texts like this. I'm not here at all to cast any kind of doubt on the faith that you have placed in Jesus Christ. Not, not Not a tiny little bit. That after I'm done sharing what Jesus teaches here. I pray that for those of you that have trusted Jesus with your sin problem. Those of you that have confessed. Those of you that have a genuine trust in him on that final day. When you meet God face to face. That you are nothing but strengthened and encouraged. But for those of you. Those of us. that are playing more of a game. Maybe you don't even know it. For those of you that have loved ones that are playing a religious game. And I don't even mean that like negatively. I don't mean like they're playing a game and their hearts are wicked and evil. Well, their hearts might be definitely wicked and evil, but they're good people. They're just... It's kind of what we do, you know? It's, it's this time of year. We just, we go to church. It's just this time of year, you know? We, 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 we have an Easter egg hunt. It's just this time of year, you know? We, we dress up. We go to church with mom. It makes her happy. Jesus speaks in this last encounter in Luke 19. He goes up onto the temple mound, and he sees religious people playing a religious game. And by the way, we, all, we, we want to kind of attack the money changers. Yeah, they're the ones. Actually, that doesn't seem to be the problem. I think Jesus goes after the money changers not because he's angry just with them. I think he looks at that entire temple mount and he realizes these money changers are the ones that are allowing and permitting for this whole charade to just continue. Flips over the tables. Like, God does this a lot in the Old Testament. Like, I'd rather you didn't sacrifice anything to me if you're not going to take me seriously. He says this all the time. Like, I'd rather you not be religious. I'd I'd rather you be hot or cold, not lukewarm. Like, I'd I'd rather you not play a game. I'd rather you never say maybe. Maybe. Say yes or no. I'll take a no over a maybe. That's what God says. Jesus flips over the tables of the money changers. He is essentially grinding all of the worship on the Temple Mount to a halt. Why? Because Jesus knows that in that final week of his life, there are still a lot of people that are not devoted to him that have missed him completely. And there's a lot of people that, especially in that Jewish context, like they think they're fine because they're Jewish. And in our context, they think they're fine because they're American. They think they're fine because they're a good person. They think they're fine because they've never done anything that bad. They think they're fine because they come to church. They think they're fine because they're on one of our fit teams. They think they're fine because actually they help serve communion. They think they're fine because they bring their kids to church. Jesus says, like, none of that is true. Look at verse 45 of this text. And when he entered the temple, he began to drive out those who sold. Saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. A couple years ago when I was teaching this, preaching this, studying this through Mark's gospel, I I never really kind of understood, I thought Jesus was kind of mad that money was, things were happening at the church. That's kind of how I'd always thought about it. And then I really began to think about what a den of robbers is. I, I, I get it. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. I get it. That makes total sense to me. What do you mean a den of robbers? Oh, you know, the place where robbers come and there's money, so these guys are stealing from the. No, that's not what a den of robbers is. The robber's den is what? The place where wicked people go to feel safe. And Jesus says, that's what you're doing on the Temple Mount. You somehow feel like you can rob God. You feel like somehow you can not respond to God and then show up on the Temple Mount. Um, what's this going to cost me? I got to hurry up. I got a bunch I got to do. How much? Uh, I'll take two turtle doves and I'll take a goat. How much? I, I really got a lot to do. How much? Okay. Boom, boom, boom. Got it. Okay. Thanks. Go back. Hey, I'm here. Do my thing. Yeah, here's my goat. Couple turtle doves. Are we good? Okay. Tell God, hi for me. I got stuff to do. That's what they were doing. And Jesus says, all of that has to stop because this temple is coming down. He is speaking some very painful truth to those who believe they're safe when they're not. And it's for that reason that I just can't share with you Jesus' final words to the crowds without you hearing danger of playing religious games with God for those who earnestly seek him he gives of himself freely for those who love him and are grateful for what he has done God pours out his spirit in abundant measure for those who even struggle with faith, maybe that's, what, maybe that's what you're dealing with right now. Maybe you're even concerned that this might be you, but in the end, what it is is you are really working through your own sanctification. There are some struggles that you're going through. There are some difficulties that you're facing. But I just guarantee you, in an audience this size, there are a number who are, I'm not saying you're being malicious, You have no idea who you're playing with. You have no idea the stakes of this. It's not a game. You have no idea the stakes on your life. Jesus says, this is the beauty of it. Like, I love you and I care for you. Like, I want you to respond to the reality of who I am. I come to die for you so that you might have life. See, my concern is, is that somehow we have deceived ourselves. 2019, Stillwater, Oklahoma, Sunnybrook Christian Church, 1015, Sunday morning, March 31st. You don't have a Jewish dilemma. You literally have um, the opportunity to hear and respond to who Jesus is. Or just kick that faith can down the road one more day, week, month. And I just think it's important that you understand what's at stake. And therefore, for those of you that say, man, I'm, I'm so glad that my faith is real and genuine, even as I struggle through it. Maybe maybe you you, you hear this and you think, No, my faith is real, but there are some people in my life I'm deeply concerned about. The good news is you don't have to worry about being the judge. You're not. I'm not. You'll never be. I'll never be. But there are some real conversations that need to happen in light of this warning. It seems like one of the greatest concerns that Jesus demonstrated are those people who feel like everything is good with God. That assumption is just wrong. This Easter season, maybe what God is asking you, what God is asking us to do, is just to lovingly, with great compassion and care, just follow up on some people that you know have expressed some kind of faith in the past. They're, but they're still really resting on the faith of their mom or their dad or their wife or their husband or their their good works that they've done they're planning on getting their taxes done sometime in the next couple of weeks they need to know the truth about Jesus and they need to know the danger of religious games well there's one kind of soil that I want to end with and that's the kind of soil and here's how Luke records it. But as for that that fell in the good soil, those are here it they hearing the word, they hold fast to it. What a great reminder that there is a faithfulness that exists when the word is spoken and I believe that's even happening this morning. This morning, I I trust, more than I trust any of us, I trust God in his word and his spirit. And so I want to end with this question, what are Jesus' words to you today? As we begin to think through what it's going to mean for us to gather, those of us who've expressed a faith in Christ, as we close our service, what is it going to mean for us as we gather around and we remember the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. What are Jesus' words to you? He has said, be careful just making a commitment and not following through. Be very, very careful of, of, of missing me completely. Be very, very careful thinking that your religiosity is what actually makes peace with me. Why? Because what makes peace with us is nothing less than Jesus' entire life his entire death God's faithfulness in his resurrection, him returning to heaven, him sending this this is what has brought us peace. And I really would I mean I, it just it doesn't work this way, but I, I really wish that each of you individually in this big crowd, could somehow work through this. You don't have to work through it with me, but with someone today. Can you just think for a moment, like what are Jesus' words to you today? What would he say to you? What what words of confirmation? Because I believe the majority of us would hear words of confirmation. But there are many of us that would hear from him a word of warning. Just asking you to prayerfully and with some real intentionality to think through what Jesus might say to you. Verses 47 and 48 of the text, Luke 19, close with this. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they could not find anything that they could do for all the people were hanging on his words. Sure. I know that all the people were hanging on his words. But some of them still missed it. And therefore I pray this morning that you and I take very carefully the words of Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your kindness to us. In Jesus, for his ability to speak through the crowds individually to each. And God, I pray that the words of Jesus would bring us hope and peace today. That God, they would rest on us, that we would feel a word of confirmation or a word of warning. That God, by your Spirit's work, that it would find its way into our hearts individually and collectively. And that we would find strength, or conviction, or both. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.